Hi, and welcome to a special episode of the Thoughtful Talent Show. I'm Jen Werner from Jen, Re Jen Werner Coaching. And I'm Chad Ahern from Talent Teams Consulting. And today, as Jen just alluded to, we are not here to talk about a Clifton Strengths theme. We're actually here to talk about the most recent Gallup at Work Summit, recorded in 2023. So we came back just a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're going to talk about a little uh, the highlights from each of our uh, keynotes that we listened to, uh, the breakout sessions we each attended. And because we can't fit in everything <laughs> that we covered in two and a half days, well, uh, two days, yeah. uh, we're going to touch on just some of the highlights for each of us. So if you have any further interest in anything we bring up in this session, in this um, podcast, please get in touch with us because we would love to be able to share what we learned with any of you that might be listening um, so that you can support your teams, your leaders, you, the people that you lead um, in any way possible. So with that, I'm going to toss it back to Jen to start us off by talking about what did you love about your summit experience this year? Yeah. Well, you know, as you know, I struggled setting appropriate expectations for this for this event. Um, it's so hard not to compare this year and the, the Gallup at Work Summit to the other strength summits and Gallup at Work summits I've attended in the past. Um, I knew for sure, though, that I was going to be excited and energized by knowing that I was going to get to meet new people. Um, and I was going to have a good good time along alongside others that I know and have just met, and then knowing um, that I'd be with like a group of people who just get it right. Like they get what we do, they know why it's important, they live and breathe their strengths every day, and I think that's the one thing that I knew for sure going in um, I was going to get. I was most worried about time and content. So. It was shorter than the other live experience I've, I've exper okay. experienced in the past, 2017 through 2019. Um, those three summits were at least a full day longer. Um, and then also the content, I was really worried that it was going to be very business focused, you know, not on us coaches and helping us, you know, reach the world, but that it was going to be really more towards like trying to get more businesses from businesses. Um, so yeah, but while I came away from the summit with, you know, happy about my experience. I do find that those two concerns are still like top of mind for me. Definitely okay. things that I, that I would like to see different in, in future years. Yeah. What about you? So it's interesting to bring those up because uh, this was actually my first uh, Gallup at Work Summit experience. And so live. I was- Live, live not, yes. not virtual. Right. Yeah. So I had done the virtual one in 2020 when, when mm -hmm. Gallup, you know, along with the rest of the world had to adjust due to COVID. And I, yes. I respect that. Um, I found my learner and some of my other themes weren't as sort of energized by the virtual experience. Mm -hmm. So I kind of put a pin in going to future summits until I could really do it live. And thankfully yeah. this year, um, resources and timing and family commitments and all of that um, all lined up to make it possible for me to go. So I had some concerns, you know, you know, being analytical and deliberative and like, what are the risks? You know, you can go listen to our deliberative episode about, you know, why that's uh, how that comes out. Um, I did have some of the same concerns of, you know, is this going to be too sort of focused on Gallup's direct clients or the large organizations that they work with? Um, is the material going to be applicable to me as a coach? And what I found, um, what I really liked about my experience was that when I got there, uh, particularly the opening reception, the, walking to the opening reception yeah. was super energizing. About 800 or some, you know, some portion of that, significant portion of that, all yeah. in essentially one room right at the Gallup office in their main lobby, um, all of us talking talents and themes and strengths and <laughs> even having, you know, and, and the beauty of that was I was able to meet a lot of coaches that I've only met online, you included, you know, it was really yes. awesome to walk right. into a room, be like, oh, there's Jen, and, you know, you've- A real person. Right, a real, you know, she's not just a face on a screen. Yeah. You know, I know we did our special little uh, snippet episode uh, from right at the summit. So some of you might've already seen that, but just being able to sit, you know, in the same room with Jen and with other coaches that I've talked to has just, was just awesome. Be able to talk themes, having people, both highlight and also poke fun of your themes in the <laughs> middle of a conversation um, was just so yeah. energizing. So I, I really appreciate that experience. 
And then a couple of my other highlights, um, and we'll get to this, uh, the details around some of these in a minute, but watching an interview with Ariana Huffington, you know, it's just, you know, she's such a big name and has great research on sleep and um, how to be productive, which jives with what Gallup's trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, so watching her, um, the interview with Jim Hartner, uh, Harder, who is Gallup's uh, chief data scientist, um, my analytical was like, ooh, this Loving is Loving awesome. that. <laughs> yeah. And then I also got to see a favorite presenter of mine, Dean Jones, who did a wonderful session on manager development that we'll also talk about in a second. Um, what surprised me, though, since I think you also touched on kind of what surprised you was the lack of interaction within the breakout sessions. It was more of mm. like kind of come in, sit down, it's a classroom, they're going to teach us something, and then we kind of walk out of the classroom. Yeah. And I find my learner, you know, gets a little bit more jazzed up when I can turn to the person next to me and, you know, talk about the material or have an exercise to do. So there wasn't quite as much of that as I had hoped, mm. um, or maybe it had been led to believe by some of the other uh, past participants sure. and then just I was also <laughs> sort of surprised uh, with the sheer sort of production quality I come out of oh, higher yeah. end we go to conferences <laughs> we're lucky if we've got a stage a podium and maybe one main screen and this was almost full-on theater performance I mean there were yeah. pump-up videos and massive screens in conference room there were six people running light boards and sound boards behind me uh, mm -hmm. you know in the in the main conference uh, room uh, the keynote room. So just the sheer production was a little like awing. Wow. <laughs> to yeah. Certain, yeah. Kind of, you know, whoa, this is, <laughs> we're, this we're is serious real. now. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. And I guess it's just the difference between, you know, for profit and higher ed. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was just a little bit of a surprise, a little bit of a, you know, get used to. Now I do, I will say our money was well spent. We were well fed yes. and the pr oh, presentations yes. were, were excellent. Um, on the whole. So um, yeah. yeah, it was it was energizing, but just very wowing and, and a little intimidating at first. So, so good. Yeah. So good. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like it's like, a, you know, like a beginning of a basketball game or something. And then they're right. coming out all the team, you know, everybody's all pumped up and the music is loud. And we're like, holy cow, like this is <laughs> this is happening. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. Yeah. So, so Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you about yeah, do you, the first. Yeah, do you want to talk about the keynotes? Yes, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, remind me Jeremy's last name. I always get it wrong. Uh, I believe you pronounce it Petrosini. Okay. I, I, yes. He may he may crucify me later for that, but <laughs> we're going to go with it. Uh, well, he's a great he's, guy. Yeah, and he's been kind of like the, you know, the MC or whatever for for quite a few years, and I do remember seeing him at one of my last live ones too, and I know you're going to touch on this, so I just want to like bring it back to you in a second. But one of the things that he said that that really caught me, and of course it's because it speaks to my, like, I wanna encourage people to be who they are instead of trying to be someone they not who they aren't or like who they think they should be, right? Like, yeah. so he said at one point, you know, like, just let yourself be you. And I'm like, oh, I love that. And it so it so spoke to me. And, it, and that's what I love about some of the stuff that we've shared already is how we hear the same thing but it hits us differently because of our themes and what we're doing in life. So um, what was what was your big takeaway from Jeremy? Yeah. So before I get to my takeaway, I will just say oh, yeah. that it does not surprise me that you took away that phrase because of your tagline, <laughs> be yeah. uniquely be you. Unique. And, and yeah. there's Jeremy saying just slightly different yeah, words. Just slightly different. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I know uh, I was waiting for him to say my words and I probably would have whooped, you know, like big, loud obnoxiousness right there in the middle of everyone. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the takeaway I took from Jeremy's, um, you know, before he brought out the, the next main sort of keynote, you know, he did a wonderful yeah. job introducing the, the summit and starting us off. But the big point he hit on was this idea around development. I think a lot of people hear that word and think, oh, it's, you know, adding on to it's, mm -hmm. you know, continuing to expand yourself. And really, he went through this whole exercise of parsing apart the word you know it's yeah. developing you are you are pulling out what is best about somebody it's not about adding on it's it's about pulling out it's extracting you know, he went and used the um the analogy of michelangelo said you know when he looks at a, a block of stone the statue is already there i just need to chisel away yeah. what's not needed to reveal the statue that's already uh in existence and those two uh, visuals, I think, were really potent and powerful 
at the very beginning of, of a um, strengths-focused summit uh, where we were talking about developing leaders and managers and individual you know, contributors on teams. So that was just, that was the thing that really struck me. Um, that then also led into, you know, he brought on stage John Clifton, who yes. was the CEO of Gallup, and his whole focus, you know, kind of played off of Jeremy a little bit, but he really talked about what I, what I really found awing about his comments were about this second global warming that nobody mm. is talking about. It. And it's this rise in despair, depression, burnout, pain, anger, employee engagement is, you know, not going in the right direction. Um, it's, and, and nobody's really talking about it. I mean, they've just released a right. fantastic book called uh, Culture Shock, which I think, you know, I'm about a third of the way through it already. And it is, lays out all the data about why we need to pay attention to this, uh, you know, what he was talking about, but this, the wording of the second global warming, global warming. Um, you know, we're talking about yeah. worrying about our planet. And yes, that's important. I not just, you know, diminishing that at all, Right. but then let's think about the humans that are living on the planet and how are they being supported? How are they, you know, going to be happy in life? How can we improve well-being for everybody? Um, I just think it was also super important. So I don't know if you got anything more out of, out of John's comments, but I wanted to start us there. Yeah, I did. And you know, what caught me was the statistic, and I think it was a global statistic, that only 23% of workers are thriving. So that wow. means like most of us at work are in misery. And then he talked about like how misery spreads. And, and I think that's when he went into the, the second, second global warming, because we talked about that. Like if you're not happy at work and you're working, you know, 88,000 hours or something in your lifetime, the potential of 88,000, you know, hours in your lifetime and then turn around and like you're miserable most of those hours, like that just bleeds into every other part of your life. Yeah. Um, the other one I thought was really interesting is that he had said that in the past, we always judged a country on how they were doing based on their GDP. Like if the yes. GDP was good, that meant life was good and that that is yeah. not what their research shows at all right. now. Um, and I was like, Ooh, that's a big one. You know, the G the high GDP does not equal a, a better life quality. So yeah. I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. That one definitely hit me too. Cause yeah. I know too many people who are just miserable at work, you know, everything's harder than it should be. Yeah. They might be paying, you know, pulling a pretty decent paycheck, but they're right. just, it's they're bringing not all gonna that misery cut it. And yeah. depression home with them after right. a, a long day at work. Or yes. even, you know, a long series of Zoom calls, and then all of a sudden you turn around and have to interact with your kids or your, you know, significant other. Yeah. Um, that's just, that's a recipe for, for not well. I, I right. particularly liked, you know, talking about GDP. He talked about, you know, building a prison in the middle of a city increases yeah. GDP. Right. It doesn't exactly, in, you know, show the, an indication of neighborhood about, better. Right. It doesn't make the neighborhood yeah. better. It doesn't necessarily make the city better. And right. you just, met, you know, created a sort of a, a glut in your, city center or yep. even on the edge of the city um for oh, a lot that was of good. other things yeah yeah so, i forgot i forgot that that yeah. little note but yeah absolutely yeah that yeah. was interesting yeah okay um, so, so our our next one i think i was going to talk about was ariana huffington is that where you were going next yeah so i i figured we'd cover all the the keynotes first and then we can talk yeah. about the sort of individual breakouts because i know we were both in the room for all the all the keynotes so yeah i'm interested to hear what you got out of it and then um sure. i i want to share what um i think our listeners might find valuable out of it yeah um, so uh, well I know, I know you're going to share the quote that she shared, so I'm, I'm not going to, um, but I am going to start with this, um, this like idea about um, achievers, because she talked about achievers, um, that, that even those who are highly engaged and, um, and satisfied in their work can still experience burnout. And I was like, oh, that's true, because we just never stop, right? And then this, like, she said it as she's talking about her own talents and how Achiever shows up for her and how it led her to burnout. Um, she said, you know, Achievers need to be comfortable with incompletion. And I yeah. starred, I wrote it, I started, I underlined it. I'm like, absolutely, because there is that, like, little, like, dissatisfaction that comes at the end of every day, no matter how much we got done. There's something there that we're like, oh, we could have done more. Um, 
and it is so interesting to hear it from another tuber say like yeah we we need we need to know just know there's always more to be done and just push that off to the side otherwise we're just going to just keep going going um do you want to do you want to share the, the yeah. quote that we both yeah. love so, so first of all i'll say that listening to her almost felt like a little mini version of our of our podcast it <laughs> our was like a, it was yeah. like a, a thoughtful talent show because she went through each of her themes and yeah. kind of how it plays out in her life, which was fantastic. So um, good. I thought the achiever uh, points were uh, are very good ones to consider. The one that I found most interesting is she has connectedness as number one. Mm -hmm. So she's looking at everything in her life, you know, all the people that she knows, all the ideas that she have, all the ideas that she has being connected in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And the the quote that you've alluded to that she shared with the audience, which I found a very poignant counterpoint to my deliberative themes <laughs> that was coming out of her connectedness is this uh, quote from uh, the uh, Indian poet uh, Rumi, uh, who says this, live your life like everything is rigged in your favor. Okay. Yeah. And for both Jen and I to have deliberative and sit there and we're always about the risk and what's going to go wrong or what potentially could go wrong. Here is a the opposite of that. Of yeah. Think about that everything is going to work out and don't worry yourself too much because if it doesn't happen now, it'll happen later. Um, or if it doesn't happen, it wasn't meant to happen. Well, and, and the evidence, evidence is there, Chad. Like, if you look back at our lives, like, look at all of the craziness that happened, but that, like, led to where we are today. Like, if we yeah. if we could just keep our, our minds set on that quote, we're going to put it on a big plaque or something in both of our offices so that, that our deliberatives don't hold us back from some of that. Because yeah. it's all rigged in our favor. Right. right. So I, I offer that for all my fellow deliberatives out there that might be thinking about, you know, what could go wrong in life and that there is the other side of the coin that we need to look mm -hmm. at every once in a while. So um, yes. I'm going to I'm going to move us from Ariana to the other keynote. Um, yeah. I got all jazzed up about because <laughs> he was speaking by language, my analytical. So Jim Harder. Uh, who's also written a number of books for Gallup. He's their chief data scientist, fantastic guy. Uh, he sh shared all sorts of stats and data, and I won't get into all of it, but I, <laughs> I, I would share two really key points from his presentation. One is uh, they introduced the idea of the Gallup path, which you can mm -hmm. go and look at that up later. We'll, we might put a link to that in the show notes, um, but it's a way to connect you know, what is really critical for you to work on day to day, which is really to develop key managers, but also the top where you end up having an impact as an organization, oftentimes Gallup puts um, stock increase as sort of mm -hmm. the end goal, you know, in terms of a for-profit company or especially a publicly traded one. What's really interesting for me is he also said it's okay to substitute that with yeah mission completion or mission achievement for say a nonprofit yeah. or a social um, social enterprise that really has a, a, a public good focus. So I thought that was really key. Yeah. The other one, and we're going to talk a little bit about as we talk about some of the breakouts that you and I both attended, mm -hmm. was the pure and utter centrality of the weekly meaningful conversation that each manager should be having with each employee on their team. Yeah every week um and it just you know the integration of strengths into that it really shortens the distance of conversation between the manager and the employee because then you have a language to talk about recognition and collaboration and how to best support people and talk about their strengths you know applying their strengths to their goals that all happens in that conversation and it doesn't necessarily have to be super short though it can be it should be weekly, but he also gave some grace around that. Uh, and I think you're going to talk a little bit about that when we get to yep. one of the breakouts. But just the the, the number of times he came back to that idea mm -hmm. was just um, inundating. It's it's yeah. so important. Um, and so we'll talk yeah. a little bit about that as we get into our breakouts. But I know you okay. wanted to talk a little bit about the fourth keynote that we, yes. we both attended um from our our friend our new friend or at least your new friend Misha Ann <laughs> yes um, Misha Ann Martin from Work Human yeah and yeah and what I what I loved about her was her energy for one like and she, you know for her to get up on stage 
in front of a room full of, you know, like a thousand some people. I don't know exactly how many people were there. We should probably get that stat. But <laughs> she talked about her gender, her generation, her ethnicity, and her strengths. And I think what was like the big takeaway for me on that one is like we just we talked we just you just literally just said using strengths is like a platform or a language to help us like close that communication gap when we understand each other going to the summit everyone we talk to is like what's your top five like and then they're all like rattle them off up this is what i am and it gives us a place where we can start the conversation and what her point was is taking into account all of these things about us because just like we talk about in all of our episodes Achiever looks different for me than it does for for someone else. Deliberative looks different in me than it does in you. Even though there's some things that are the same, yeah. it's a way we can understand one another. But we could do the same thing based on our our generations or whatever, whatever yeah. all, all those other things. But really being able to see the whole person, and then that tied it right back to that like ever flowing line through this entire summit is that the that one on one meaningful conversation yeah. with your manager or you know with managers with their employees um that that was the big the big aha like in that moment that i had yeah yeah i i love her one quick phrase not to not to take yeah, anything no. away from what you just shared but the one key uh phrase that i took from hers was you know all the things you just talked about age gender generation uh, our backgrounds, our strengths are all data points of our story. Yes, right. And it's that, you know, it's just you you get indicators, but then actually talk to the person, see how they all string mm-hmm. see how they all string together. So yeah. Um anyway, yeah, I, I, I wasn't planning on talking about that keynote because I know you got <laughs> a lot of, out of that one more than I did, but I love that key phrase and I thought it was important to, to highlight. And I- and that's probably because I met her the very first night and we shared a moment on the fountain <laughs> together. So like, I already felt like I had, had a, a best friend for the day, so, you nice. know, or for the, for the summit. So nice. yeah, it was awesome to meet her. Yeah. So we want to talk about the keynotes now. You mean the breakouts? We just did. The I'm keynotes. sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. The, the breakouts. breakouts. Yeah. Yes. The breakouts. Yeah. Okay. So we both attended one together. <laughs> like this was the only one that we happened to pick that was the same. Yeah. And it was about burnout prevention. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I think you're going to share that I want you to share first, actually, before I go into mine, because I think mine is a good follow up to, okay. to your your thoughts. Yeah. So this uh, breakout session, um, they were about an hour long and uh, mm-hmm. done by the very capable uh, Jacqueline Robinson, who works at Gallup. I forget her exact mm-hmm. job title. Uh, but one of the ideas that really struck me actually came toward the tail end of the presentation. It was actually an audience inspired discussion uh, somebody mm-hmm. asked the question you know how do you differentiate between depression and burnout and i think right now especially as people are talking about mental health and you know what you you know what is a manager you can support what you might need to turn around and talk to an actual licensed professional about i think differentiating that is really important and so one of the other audience members said there are two key uh, questions you can ask to differentiate between depression and burnout and they are versions of each other. So one is, are you tired? End of sentence. Or are you tired of it? If you have an employee that you're working with and they just say they are tired, just then they probably tired. have depression because they are tired of everything. They're tired <clears throat> of home life. They're tired of engaging in the community. They're tired of their work. They're tired of their manager. There is a tiredness that uh, you know is, is seeping into all parts of their life. Mm-hmm. Now, if you get a response to, oh, I'm just tired of it. Yeah, what's okay. the it? <laughs> right. So that person is ideally finding some sort of satisfaction in either their home life, their you know, relationships, um, their community, with their kids if they've got them, but they're probably finding some burnout maybe at work. And that's where you were saying, you know, you need to find out what the it is. If they're tired right. of home life and they're finding work as a refuge, right. that's a different conversation. But at least Absolutely. there's a, at least then you're dissecting, oh, it's burnout at home, work is refreshing them, or the mm-hmm. opposite. You know, if they're, if they're tired of the work, but they're still finding happiness at home, then they're just burned out at work. And you can actually probably do something as a manager about that. Right. The depression part, if they're just tired, that's when a manager says, you know what? Let <laughs> you're me get you out of my resources. Depth. Let me find you some resources yeah. and I want to help support you, but I'm not the one to do it. 
Yeah. Um, and I think that that was just really key. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things I, I liked is they, they talked about like the ways to bring up some of these discussions, you know, like, geez, you're looking really tired. Like that never inspires someone to be like, oh, well, let me tell you all about my life as you just told me I look like hell. Yeah. Um, so, so it's that like finding finding ways to ask questions that might tap into like really how they're doing or how they how they're feeling like what part of your job do you miss doing the most um yeah. or what what is exciting about working what you're working on right now and if they're like sarcastic um can't answer struggling to answer like what they find exciting and what they're doing that's probably a good sign that there's some burnout happening there yeah. so that's that's where I loved them even like bringing it back to the talents, even if you don't know what their talents are. They could ask questions that give some kind of clues to talent so like whether they have opportunities to you know like actually get things done because maybe they're you know like an achiever, but they're just spinning their wheels they're not like feeling yeah. like they're getting anything accomplished. Um, like do they have opportunities to work with others and actually like solve some things build relationships are, are they making do they feel like they're making an impact. Um, influencing others right or like if they actually have time to ponder solutions so like they see yeah. the problems happening but they're not given the time to like figure out some solutions to what this might happen like if you're burnt out you do not have the energy to think up the solution for the problem even if that is yeah. you know your you know strategic thinking high themes if you're burnt out you're probably not there like you're just stuck in the drudgery of it so i i loved those examples of ways to ask those questions without without like coming right out and being like yeah you look really tired today what's going on with you like i don't know it's good to talk to you right now yeah. we could go on and on because i know that one was a big one and they gave us so much more information so yeah, yeah. really reach out to us if you want to learn more about um what gallup has to say about burnout prevention and and some tips and cues on using your talents for those but we'll yeah. have to save that for another episode yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay Breakout number two. Yes. Do you want me to go first? Go first, yes. <laughs> All right. So I attended a session on team coaching. So uh, for those of us like Jen and I that get into rooms um, and are able to work with teams over a period of time, um, there was a really interesting exercise. You know, again, all these sessions had a lot more meat than what we're covering here. Well, <laughs> one of the key activities that um, the two presenters for my breakout session on team coaching uh, I was uh, Jackie Merritt and Rose uh, Bloomfield, both from Gallup. They ran, uh, they sort of reintroduced uh, a tool that a lot of us use called the Team Grid. And it's really mm -hmm. it, for those of you that don't know it, it really just lists the um, thirty-four talent themes across the top, and then you list your team members down the side, and then where a team member has a theme, you put in their rank. Uh, so. You know, mine would read Chad Ahern, and then there would be a one under learner and a two under deliberative, a three under analytical, and uh, sorry, a three under um, responsibility, four <laughs> under harmony, and five under analytical. Um, but the beauty of that is that once you do that, you can start to identify which themes are most prevalent, which aren't. The expansion that they added was that you can then tweak the language of the themes and pair them together. So maybe a team has high futuristic and high strategy or strategic, okay? So that is a team that is most likely to tune into future strategy. They might not be as worried about day-to-day -day operations. So just purely pointing that out and say, hey, this team tunes into future strategy, it just is a starting point to say, hey, is that what our team does? Do we really... Yeah ignore or not tune into maybe the empathy that we need to be thinking about on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one version. And then they actually flipped it and said, then go and look at the themes that are either not present or, you know, if you have a full 34 report are maybe way at the bottom from a majority of the team. Yeah. So maybe it's uh, learner and empathy. Okay. So are you empathetically learning? Are you are you not tuning in to learning about other people's emotions? Mm -hmm. You know, are you not opening up your radar to that, even though your team might need that? And so it's just yeah. it's a conversation starter, and I, that was the beauty of it. Is it? It wasn't the whole tool. It wasn't the whole conversation. It was how do you start the conversation about what we look like as a team? Yeah. So that that was my big takeaway from from that. 
Oh, that sounds awesome. I can't wait to yeah. listen to that one because we have the opportunity to go back and listen to all these ones that we didn't get to, to see. And that's one thing about the virtual space I'd say has been really wonderful about this is now yeah. knowing that that even that whatever choices we made as deliberative, like whatever choices we made of which ones we're going to go to, it's okay if we made a wrong choice, you know, the bad choice, because yeah. we can listen to all of them. Yeah. Um, similarly, like in that vein, um, I went to incorporating a 360 view of performance to enhance leadership coaching. And after I sat there for a minute, I was like, why did I choose this one? Um, <laughs> because it didn't, it didn't really fit for what I felt like it was, you know, it was maybe more towards those coaches who are embedded in a company and yeah ways to take the 360 you know performance assessment that that they do you know where you send out the the information the yeah, questionnaire, questionnaire to every everybody in the company or you know whoever works <laughs> with you and then you get all of the feedback from above you from below you from peers um and really understanding how that stuff like merges in well so i know there's lots and lots of talk about why 360s don't work how they fail um however if they're done correctly with realistic measurements and Gallup has a whole like thing, like a seven expectations of, of um, 360, 360s. So like you can ask like real tangible things that you can actually measure as opposed yeah. to like, well, you made me work on this project last week and it sucked. And so now I'm gonna give you bad, you know, bad reviews. Right. Um, this, the, the information that you gather from that 360 can help um, the employee and the coach understand the content that's in that's part of it um, okay. being able to use that feedback to inform like more meaningful action towards okay. adjustments that can be made because they she talked a lot about and this was from heather barrett she's from gallup also i don't remember what her like title is yeah. but, um I'll, I'll gallop people but she said one of the things that makes them so ineffective a 360 so ineffective is you get all this information and she used the, the phrase it's a desk drop like you literally like drop it in their lap, yep. they review it, it makes you like not feel sad, great, <laughs> upset, like now you're like trying to figure out who said what about you. You know, it's a, it's all these bad things. But if you take if you have that that like framework set up for it to be yep. actually measurable, you know, it can be something that can be aid aid a coaching conversation. If you have a coach embedded in your company or you, you know, reach out to a coach, if you got a 360 and you're like, where the heck were they coming from? If you can add that to the coaching and helping the person understand themselves, see some of their blind spots and actually work through it and make a plan for how they're going to, you know, because maybe it's just a lack of communication that's happening. I mean, that's most of our problems anyway. <laughs> so maybe it's just a lack of communication of, you know, some setting some expectations or whatever that might be. But in the like blurb that came from your 360 review, you aren't really getting that information. So yeah. that that was the big takeaway I took from that one is that even though there are so much, you know, negative about that, that it, it can be a positive to help yeah. help someone actually like have actionable things that can come from that and not just yeah. this like ad hoc. Well, I might not get a raise this year because <laughs> so and so thought I did a bad job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting point about making sure it's actionable. I think yes. that's uh, that's a fantastic highlight. Yeah. So yeah. Um, what about your third breakout? Um, oh, I loved my third one. <laughs> so this was um, this was hybrid and remote teams. Um, uh, let's see, helping hybrid and remote teams engage, connect and thrive. Um, this was Benjamin Erickson, Erickson Farr. And he, this is the one that I quoted and I wanna like kind of circle back to this because um, in our quick little snip that we did on Wednesday morning and then we put out to everyone about our, our first day at the summit, um, I shared some statistics and I wanted to like clarify that okay. um, currently um, of all remote capable jobs, three in 10 are fully remote, five in 10 are hybrid and two in 10 are on site, but one of them wishes they could be hybrid. So those when I gave those statistics before, I think I said all workers, I, I meant all workers who are currently have a job that could be remote, like you remote don't capable. need to ever. Yes. Yeah. So so I wanted to clarify that. So because okay. those are still like some pretty crazy numbers. Yeah. Um, and then what I really took away from this this session was there's not a, a clear, easy way to make the decision about what you're doing, whether you're when you're going to allow people to be remote 
um, hybrid, a mix of remote or in on-site or fully on-site. And that really um, there are pros and cons to all three camps. Um, but what they found true across all three for, for engagement of employees was that it stems from the need, <laughs> absolutely need to develop managers and leaders to lead remote and hybrid teams. So um, there's two big things that came out of that. They need to be able to lead effective meetings. Just because you're in person doesn't mean this meeting is effective. We've all been yep. to meetings or like, this could have been an email. Like, yep. what are we doing? So, you know, like you get the mug, this could have been an email. Um, and then the other the other one was one on full, one on one, and this is where it comes back to our, our keynote. <laughs> yeah. One on one meaningful conversations with employees every week. Um, and what they do is grown. What you expect me to meet with my people every week, like each yeah. person individually every week, like how is that even possible? And Benjamin said, yes, that's, that's the ideal. We want to have meaningful conversations every week. But the idea is when those conversations are happening, whether they're weekly, biweekly, every like random seven to 14 days or something in, in that realm, the, it's really important that the, that that meeting is meaningful and how you make that meaningful is caring about their well-being, asking them what's going well. So you're getting the clues to talent. What are they loving yep. to do? How you can help? Like what support do they need yep. and what clarity they need? So that's usually, you know, like the setting expectations or like priority, whatever that may be. And if you're hitting those four things and actually getting real answers, not like, hey, how's it going? Fine. And they're like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, exactly. If you're actually getting real answers to those four questions, you're having a meaningful conversation. Yeah. You're getting there. You're getting to the root of it. Strengths is an amazing place to help you get that connection quickly and keep yeah. it. Yeah. That was nice. Amazing. That was, that, that that was, was fantastic. So it was my favorite. It was my yeah. favorite. That's Absolutely great. That's great. We're gonna get to my favorite uh, in the next breakout. Um, the one I attended for breakout number three was one on uh, coaching decisions. You know, as coaches, we're always you know trying to balance. Are we supposed to be advising this person? Are they struggling to yeah. come up with options? Um, do I just need to ask more open-ended questions? And I'll be honest, the session was a little bit of a letdown because I was looking for a little bit more practical. Um, you know, kind of a decision matrix about when do you leave the pregnant pause oh. and maybe when do you uh, lean in and, you know, start offering the beginnings of an option or options. Um, so it wasn't quite what I expected, but being the learner I am, I always try and go in at least find one sort of, you know, <laughs> golden nugget that I can take out and, and try to think about. And the one for me out of that session was um, a, a kind of a coaching framework or, or essentially some things to think about as you're coaching somebody. And they called it the three C's framework. So the three C's stand for clarity, capacity, and capability. So the mm -hmm. clarity is really, do you as a coach have clarity with your with your one-on-one -on -one client about the clarity of their goals, the clarity of their challenges, and maybe you know also clarity of where they're trying to get to? Okay. Um, that one was kind of point blank obvious. Yeah. The one that the two that I thought were really sort of informative were the capacity and the capability parts. The capacity was, does this person or team have the capacity to take action? So if there's if if you're talking to a, a, mm. a, a coaching client and, you know, and this goes for managers as well. If you're talking to an employee and say, hey, I'd like you to make some changes or have you thought about approaching your work a little differently? And the employee then turns around and says, well, my calendar is already booked through the end of August, Right. you know, from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. I have no room in my calendar to move anything and I don't have the authority to cancel any of these meetings. Then you are not providing the capacity for change. Yeah. So I thought that was really important. And then the capability part um, is that is the person capable of taking action. So it kind of goes hand in hand. Mm. So I talked about, you know, do they have the authority to maybe cancel a meeting? Well, if you said, yeah. no, you have to be at these meetings, then the person has no capability to yeah. make change yeah. because they're not in control of their kind of their own destiny. And where I thought that that point was really important is he actually took it um, back out away from the individual 
and to the organization. So as we as coaches, for any of the coaching, the coach, fellow coaches that listen to our podcast, if you're thinking about engaging with an organization or with a team, one of the first questions you might want to ask them is, are you going to be setting up an environment where people have the capacity and the capability to actually make changes? Yeah. So, and I've run into that, you know, coaching, uh, coaching session goes really well. They've identified two or three actions that they really want to take action on and you check back with them in a week. And they're like, well, actually I couldn't do anything because my week was so full and I didn't have the authority to cancel any of my meetings. And my managers just put three more things on my plate. That's not a winning formula for coaching success. So just yeah, something not, to think about. Um, yeah. They're not empowering them to be able to make some of those decisions and changes on right. the fly in order to make, make yeah. some of those things happen. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, you know, giving, you know, a leader providing maybe a frontline leader, a, a frontline individual contributor, the authority yeah. to find space in their calendar or to, to make changes, you know, global changes to sure. how they do their work. Um, it's just, it's a really thought provoking question when you are exploring the opportunity to, to coach with an organization or a team, maybe that should be on the checklist of on a sales call or on a proposal yeah. review, like, Hey, are you willing to make some changes to, you know, what your calendars look like and what actions you're taking how your team meetings, you know, or formatted or what the agendas look like. If they're, if those aren't open, then you're out of luck. Right. So, Oh, that sounds like a good one. Yeah. So I want to move us on to, to the uh, fourth and fifth uh, breakouts yes. here before we, we create a, a, a day and a half long podcast that you know, we can review <laughs> the whole summit. Um, what, which session did you go to for, for breakout four? Cause I know we the, weren't in the same room for that one. Yeah. The next one, um, was the future of employee engagement. Um, and I think my big takeaway on that one, I mean, there was so much, so many stats. I love Benjamin Erickson far. He, he did this one too. Um, I think he like came in afterwards. Um, they had somebody else that planned for it originally, but he did a great job. Lots of stats. Um, but one of them was this, like the biggest impact on engagement comes from like the workers autonomy like we like you were kind of yeah. alluding to like giving them the capacity and the capability um but that based on us data 50 percent of workers are blenders and the other 50 percent are splitters and they right. like define it as this splitters are those who prefer to work and leave work at work there's no overlap and blenders are the ones who prefer to leave that line between work and personal life a little blurry a little blended okay um so what the research shows was those both work like you you don't have to be one or the other to be an engaged employee that that's that if you if you're a splitter and you get to split you are in, you can be engaged and be highly effective if you're a blender and you get to blend you're you can be engaged and highly effective where the problem comes in <laughs> is if you make either one of them you force them to be the other so they showed like all across the board when when a blender is forced to be a splitter or opposite there's decreased engagement there's this decreased um, evaluation of their overall life yeah. increased burnout and increased intent to leave the company just because oh. of this and I was like oh that's huge and yeah. and so like this brought on this whole other thing um it, they called it the q12 plus four so okay. that was my other little like quick takeaway and those four questions those added four questions are around respect well-being um performance management and products and services so kind of bringing okay. the customer into the into okay. the decision so um again so much information i could share forever yeah. so and and i'm sure you know given that we just mentioned the q12 we'll drop a link into the yeah. show notes about the q12 it's it's a way to very quickly oh, so assess good. Uh, employee engagement that Gallup has researched over the last, was it almost 40 years now? Yeah. Um, and they've just come out with some new research around these four. I, I It was alluded yeah, to in Jim four. Hartner's uh, keynote about this. Yep. They found these four additional questions are also kind of tag along indicators of employee mm -hmm. engagement because of the growing body of work around uh, respect. And that's the DEI yeah, work the DEI that a lot of discussions. Mm -hmm companies are doing um the customer mm -hmm. centrality of your actions that's and well-being as well they see it attacking yep. everyone yeah yep. yeah and then um and the then the respect management. oh yeah the, the the performance management and that's really tying strengths to goals right yes yeah yep. 
So yeah. So thank you for great. clarifying the, the Q12 because that is, yeah. you know, it's one of those things we use all the time, but maybe not everyone is familiar with that. Yeah. So we'll so, drop a link. We'll drop a link in the show notes. Everybody can get educated. It's a great tool. <laughs> um, right. Simplifies life a little bit. Um, so what about your session? Yeah. So my breakout four was probably my most informative, most full of stats. The one I'm going to have to go over a couple <laughs> different times listening to. It was presented yeah. by Dean Jones, who's always done a fantastic job of presenting Gallup information. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a session that I could probably spend a whole podcast on if we went that <laughs> yeah. way. Yep. Um, but I think one of the biggest key, uh, biggest point, key points he made in that presentation, if nothing else, was the disproportionate impact managers have on success. And then he tied that to where companies often put their development dollars. Mm. Usually, and this sort of, sort of stereotypical is, oh, the leaders get all the coaching, all the professional development. They've yeah. got to be on top of their game the most. What all the data in his presentation essentially showed was that's wrong. The, mm -hmm. the short version is that's the wrong place to put your development dollars. You're actually better off as an organization or as a team investing in your frontline leaders yep. as they have the maximum impact on actually getting work done and in driving well-being and employee engagement so if nothing else rethink where you're spending your dollars this year mm -hmm. yeah um, so that was that was it and uh, obviously so there's all sorts of data to support that but i just that was the nugget yeah well that so. works perfectly into my final one which was the future of the workplace and it was a panel discussion um so gallup has their new report of the the workplace um that's oh. coming out or just came out so they yeah so they the state of the workplace i believe it's called um and we can put that in the show notes as well but they um gave us a few peeks into some of the statistics and oh my goodness the the some of the ugly statistics that were shared. So one of them was was about that exactly what you just said. So um, four in 10 leaders, four out of 10 leaders are actually living and know the values of their organization. Um, <laughs> you know, like actually like a whole conversation, like having a whole conversation about like whether you're living it wow. and whether you're trying to create a culture versus forcing a culture like this is oh. what we are versus this is you know actually what's happening in in our yep. in our company which i thought okay. was kind of amazing too and then um the other one i thought was really big was that one in five customers believe that leaders are making decisions that are right for their customer or the Ooh. patient and i was like oh that's a horrible number so these numbers all lead into that like the middle management really is and I, get, I can share another statistic that I heard from another one about like the leaders sent, tend to be a little more disconnected from what's really going on in their company. Yep. Um, the managers seem to have more of a pulse on it. The managers and the employees are the least engaged compared to the leaders. The leaders tend to be more engaged. I think it all stems from what you just were talking about in, in yours um, and, and then these two stats. So what was really amazing, my favorite part of this one was in 2020, we had this huge thing happen um, where the pandemic hit and it pulled the future forward is the, is the like phrase they used. And we went from 25% of the workforce being hybrid and being able to do this remote working stuff to 65% of, of the workforce okay. was, was remote, um, caused a massive disruption but employees were actually more engaged. And they're like, what has happened? What is going on? And it all boils down to communication. During that time, leaders and managers were reaching out more. They were vulnerable to their employees. You can't be like all on it when you got your kids and dogs fighting in the background, you know, like we're all worried about each other's health. Like, are you okay? Like, is your family member sick? You know, there was this, like they said that, um, that in times of change, the four needs of followers like actually intensify. Yeah. And that was true of the of the pandemic. Like that happened across the board. We saw this happening where people were not connected physically, so they had to reach out more. Um, yeah. And it did wonderful things. But, <laughs> but <laughs> since we're back to work, there's been a steady decline in, in this leadership trust due to lack of communication. And when we went back to the office, and we went back to working the way we used to, we thought we were going back to like what it was before the pandemic. Right. So we're, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't this like, hey, we're going to get through this or there wasn't the show. There isn't 
um, or has not been the show of compassion and care that we saw happening during the pandemic. Um, their big, their big final note: the workplace of 2019 is not coming back. Yeah. Like yeah. mic drop moment because we have to do things differently. Like the yeah. future is here. It's no longer somewhere we're like carefully stepping to like it was like thrust on us and in, in yeah. that moment and and it's not going back to normal normal yeah. is not a thing anymore right yeah that the, was my big one yeah the, the big hair thing i heard in everything you said is is communication is key you've got to yes. keep talking that's where the four needs and for those of you that don't know the four needs of followers are building trust showing compassion establishing stability and generating hope mm -hmm. um and you know, talk about a heavy load for managed yeah. to, to to manage, but that's why communication is so key. And I think that that's beautiful that you brought that up. Um, well, it, it was just so interesting to see the difference, you know, between the, the pandemic and I've felt it myself, um, you know, with with some of the other contract work that I've done where I, I don't feel as connected um, now because they do have the ability and I'm a remote worker, but I, but they do have the ability to connect with people physically. And so I do feel like that like connection to others has kind of declined. So yeah. there, there is some work still that needs to be done with that communication. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. And that, and that, uh, you know, since she brought up the, the Q, uh, 12 plus four, mm -hmm. uh, in both, both your breakouts, your most, uh, your breakout four and breakout five, because yeah. the last session I went to as my breakout number five uh, was a session on the, in, the intersection of engagement and strengths. Mm. And um, I'll be honest, I had hoped for a little bit more information, you know, sort of newer stats, newer oh, sure. uh, thoughts on where engagement and strengths intersect. Um, they covered a lot of information that I already cover and I've done presentations mm. on. Um, they really tied, you know, talking about the Q12 there's uh, statements uh, three, six, 11, and 12 that really are key places where strengths come to play in that engagement conversation. Yeah. But I think the key thing that I would highlight for our listeners coming out of that conversation and out of that breakout is that oftentimes we get focused on employee engagement as the what, as the thing that we should uh, be focusing yeah. on. And the presenters, uh, one of them actually happened to be my original trainer, uh, Stephen Shields, he pointed out that engagement is not the what, it is the how. In, mm -hmm. Employee engagement is the how of how you accomplish yeah. your organizational mission. So if you've got employee engaged, uh, engaged employees, you are far more likely to end up with that mission you know, impact or that stock increase that I was talking about, the, the Gallup mm -hmm. uh, curve, it's called. Um, that's all driven in large part by managers making sure that their uh, their employees are engaged. And then there's a number of steps in between that and the final output of, of mission um, mission achievement. But it is the how, not the what. And I think that yeah. that's a really clear, it's a very simple word switch, and, but can do a lot yeah. in terms of mindset change and how you're thinking about, well, why are we doing a Q12 or why are we doing a pulse survey? Um, it's not the what. The data is not the what, it's the how. You need to figure yeah. out how to engage your employees so that they're supporting your organization. So it's so it's so interesting because I had a similar thing in my future of the employee engagement. And when you said that, it just triggered it to me. <laughs> so I wanted to look at my notes. Um, and they were saying engagement isn't something else on the plate. It is the plate. Yes. And I was like, oh, I love that. And then like it fits really perfectly with it. Yeah, you're right. It it, it is. So yeah, good. it is the thing. It, it and, the thing, and it's more the how. It's more like, it's actually yeah. the utensils. It's how you get the yeah. food from the plate to your mouth, so that right. the organization is fed and, right. and operating well. So it's like it, um, it has to be there, and we we need that base. Otherwise, it's not nothing's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, so good. probably probably mixing some metaphors there, but yeah, I, right. I hope I hope our <laughs> listeners got the point. Um, so, right. so Jen, now that we've run through all of our keynotes. All of our breakouts and obviously yes. our listeners you know if you want any more detail oh, on yeah. any of the stuff we're, we're talking about uh, please get in touch with us because uh, it was one heck of a learning experience for both of us yes. um, but as we wrap up i'm wondering if you might have um, maybe not mic drop moments but maybe your <laughs> top three final thoughts on the summit or or maybe people that are thinking about going what do they know 
I'm going to start with you and then I'm going to in introduce mine. Then we're going to let our listeners go. Okay. Yeah. I, I think um, my big one was being able to connect in person with some of the people that I got to meet. Thanks yeah. to the pandemic. I met all kinds of people like you uh, <laughs> virtually, and we've been working together for over a year now. And it's just kind of crazy to think that we hadn't ever met in person before. So having that yeah. personal connection was yeah. awesome. Um, Gallup does a wonderful experience. They put on a wonderful experience. They bring, fantastic data and I love the data uh, analytical is my number 13 but it's my first strategic thinking strength so okay. if I if I need to get data like that's where I go I love that um just for me I wanted more I wanted more content yeah. I wanted more days I wanted more opportunities and they gave us lots like we had two different networking events um, right? Two, yes. Yeah. Two different net networking events. We had time, you know, in between sessions. I don't know where it went. Like, <laughs> I just want more. I want more of it because I, I felt like I, when it was time to leave and go to the airport, I'm like, but wait, like, we still need another day of this. Um, yeah. So whether whether that's coming from Gallup or maybe it needs to be something that coaches together are starting to like rally more about like creating some other opportunities either around or before or after the summit um i think would be really amazing to be part of more of those um one know they're happening so that i can i can go um but so that was that was a really big one um i had one other one and i just lost it okay do you want me to run my my through my two or three and maybe it'll trigger so yeah. I would definitely echo a lot of what you just said. I think something that maybe fellow coaches need to know is that, and you highlighted this at the top of the show, is that the Gallup Summit of 2023 is not the Gallup Summit of 2018-19, yeah. where from what I understand, what I heard from a lot of coaches, that was right around the time I got certified and mm -hmm. they were just launching some of the really sort of strengths-based summits. Um, there was a lot more material that was really kind of aimed at us independent coaches. So I think yes. an independent coach listening to this, you just need to be aware of that. It Some of the language and some of the breakouts and some of the keynotes is definitely Gallup trying to speak to their current or potential business yeah. to business clients. Mm -hmm. um, there's still takeaways. There's still learning. Yes. I would echo also your uh, thought that it went way too fast that I could have used another day or a day and a half <laughs> at least at least um, yeah. and so I would also just in that vein share that if you are heavy on your relationship building uh, themes if you operate a lot in that domain um, just be aware that you are gonna yeah. kind of be introduced to a lot of people and then immediately have to leave them and so just something to think about. Um, Maybe on the heels of our woo, that's an okay thing for, right. for those who have woo. Um, my my relator that's at eight was was not necessarily that happy about having to leave everyone right. so quickly. Right. And you you um you did spark my last moment. So one of the last things that, that we had the opportunity to get, and it depended on if you were able to like stay a little longer, but they provided two extra sessions for certified coaches, which yeah. I thought were amazing. Um, one of them, and I didn't go to both, I only went to one, but one of them was specifically for teachers using Clifton Strengths okay. with students. And the other one was um, Clifton Strengths and um, using like the coach, like being a coach and having your own business. Yeah. And I thought those that was, was amazing that they did that for us, for yes. us coaches. I think that was a, a really big benefit. And I just pleading with Gallup that if they do these in the future to do more of that, maybe it's another day of like other things that coaches specifically can go to and yeah. have, you know, some of those, some of those interactions with other coaches, because there's always that that time, like you said, that you wish we're, there would have been more of that time during the session to be able to talk and like work through Interact like an idea yeah. or whatever. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of that in this. I had a couple of sessions that were, but it would be great if we could do some of that as, yeah. as like an add on. Yeah, and I'll also, and this, this is gonna sound a little bit deliberative um, uh, toned, um, but just be aware that if you're planning to go to Omaha and like this is the first time in Omaha and you wanna check out a brand new city, um, I had almost zero time for that. So they no. keep you very busy yes. uh, jumping from one session to the next. They have wonderful evening networking events that, you know, get out seven thirty, eight o'clock. And usually by then, at least for me, yeah. I was pretty well, you know, yeah. toasted and done and wanted to go back to the hotel room. Um, and we're finding so, dinner, having dinner out. Next thing right. you know, you're like, crap, it's time to go to bed. Yeah. So it, yeah. it does go so fast. Yeah. So uh, 
just doing that. And then I would also echo your point of probably what I'll do differently next time is try and find more of those opportunities to do some of the pre or post um, coach specific things. I know yeah. our wonderful um, fellow coach, Charlotte Blair, uh, put together something. Uh, our Eat to Grow community was trying to get fellow coaches together mm -hmm. to, to have some conversations. I think that Richard Steary with with Cas who was the creator of Cascade. He, yeah, he I also think, had that. So. Yeah, he he did something. I also think he joined in with with Charlotte to support um, her mm. event too. So um, I know that there's activities out there, but I think if you're an independent coach like Jen and I are, and you're listening to this, wondering, do I go? I would make. I would give some consideration to building in some time to do um, yeah. some some coach specific work. Some uh, extra days. <laughs> yeah. So uh, with that, uh, that's our that's our summary of the yes. the 2023 Gallup at Work Summit. I know we kind of meandered all over the place and we weren't <laughs> able to go super deep on everything. Um, so as we've said at the beginning, um, we'll say it again. If you have any questions about anything that we've talked about. Um, any of the ideas have sparked ideas for your team or your organization, please reach out to Jen or I. We're yeah. both um, coaches ready and willing to, to help people uh, get better, be more engaged and improve their well-being. So our mm -hmm. contact information is in the show notes. Uh, Jen, any last things you want to say to our listeners before we sign off? I think just like you said, we have so much more we could share with you. So if you, if any of this sparked anything in you and you want to have continue the conversation, we are open. Yeah, reach out. Yeah. Uh, contact information is in the show notes. Um, and with that, though, we're going to say goodbye. I'm Chad Ahern from Talent Teams Consulting, encouraging you to keep playing to your strengths. And I'm Jen Werner from Jen, Jen Werner Coaching. Why can't I say that today? <laughs> and I'm encouraging you to be uniquely you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.